it's pretty clear, you know, one out of every $3 now follows an ESG or sustainable overlay. And I think people are just really opening their eyes. I don't care if you're a tree hugger or not. It's pretty clear that if you're not paying attention to how a company is addressing issues around climate change or, I don't know, activism or corporate governance, you may actually be missing the boat and you're, you have to be careful. On this episode of Early Bird, Dale Wannan, president of Sustainvest Asset Management. Dale joins the podcast today to talk about sustainable investing in 2023, including how to tell if a company's stock is good for environmental, social, and governance standards. If you're an investor looking to stay on top of the latest market trends, then you're listening to the right podcast. This is Early Bird, and I'm your host, Stephen Lerner. Before we get to today's discussion, let me tell you how you can save time and beat the market through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter featuring commentary about the latest trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and equity crowdfunding. Early Bird is designed to help individual and non-professional investors stay on top of all of the critical investing trends. The newsletter is 100% free and is sent to your email box each weekday morning. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, today's discussion. All right, Dale, welcome to the Early Bird Podcast. How are you doing? I'm hanging in there. Thanks for having me, Steve. Well, thank you for, for joining us. We're going to talk about sustainable investing strategies in 2023. But before we get to that, Dale, in about 30 seconds or less, uh, what should the audience know about you and your background? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I've been around the block. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in my mid-40s, and not to start throwing ages out there, but uh, I've been in the industry uh, ever since I was in my late teens. Mm. And it goes anywhere from, from the banking world to, to selling stocks and cold calling 100 people a day to the insurance field. And then now here I am with my own independent shop that's only taken me about, you know, 30 years to get there. So, mm -hmm. Well, it's quite an accomplishment, and you got an interesting focus on sustainable investing. Um, before we talk about what that means in 2023, Dale, um, for, for, for the audience, members who may not be aware, real quick, what, what exactly is sustainable investing in, in a nutshell? It, yeah, there's a lot of different acronyms that are that are thrown around, but remember, if I say SRI, I'm referring to sustainable and responsible investing. And it's really just, I always look at it as an added overlay or an added component of investing where if you have a portfolio or if you're investing, you sort of, not only do you look at PE ratios and, and, and performance and valuations, but you also look at how a company may be addressing the world of sustainability which means a lot of different things oh yes it could mean correct me if i'm wrong the environment it could mean governance it could also mean social responsibilities in society right absolutely yeah all the above it could mean how is a how is a ceo compensated relative to its average employee mm -hmm. and um or how nice is the ceo to its to its children no, I'm kidding. That's not fun. But yes, it's it means a lot of different things. Yes. 
So in terms of investing, why why is that important? You know, obviously decades ago it used to be let's look at the company's balance and and their sheet. Um, let's take a look at the uh, okay, this this company's profitable. This company we expect it to grow over time. Why is sustainable investing so important for investors today? Yeah, it's it's funny. That question to me is is, and I'm not saying you're silly, Stephen, but um, you know, being I've been doing SRI for almost 20 years now. So when I first dip my toe into this, I was like, why wouldn't anybody want to do this, right? Like we all are humans. We all have very similar DNA. Like why would people be against this? But um, I guess that's just sort of my earthy tree hugging side. But on the flip side, it's pretty clear, you know, one out of every $3 now follows an ESG or sustainable overlay. And I think people are just really opening their eyes. I don't care if you're a tree hugger or not. It's pretty clear that if you're not paying attention to how a company is addressing issues around climate change or, I don't know, activism or corporate governance, you, you may actually be missing the boat and you're, you have to be careful. You know, there, there's a reason a lot of these pensions and, and student-led organizations are, are doing this and it's because they have a fiduciary duty to make sure they're paying attention to this lingering issue. But clearly climate change, I mean, Let's not get into it, to what's happening in Maui and how sad it is. It's just these things continue to happen. And it's, it's, if people aren't paying attention to their 401ks when it comes to ESG or sustainability, I always say you may want to bring that up to your, you may want to bring that up to HR if you have a 401k or your advisor if you have one. Just ask them if you should be paying attention to this. Absolutely. Um, but for, for the individual investor, you know, obviously you mentioned the uh, 401k and you mentioned uh, financial advisors. If you're on your own and you're picking different stocks out there, what, how could you effectively judge, okay, is this stock, is this company good from a sustainable standpoint? Yeah. So that's a big question. First of all, if you're an individual investor, stocks are great but you may want to first look into some of the funds that are doing the ESG screening. And I'm not recommending this way of doing it, but there's definitely fund families like Parnassus and I don't know, Ariel or Calvert. I always say to people, if, if, if I'm not managing their assets, I say, you know, take a look at those funds and see what they hold. You know, why do they have an 8% position in, in NVIDIA or whatever it is as a fund manager? Because they are the professionals. However, it's, it's becoming easier and easier for regular Joe investors to just hop on Morningstar and you don't have to pay anything to get ESG data on a fund or a company. And there's so many more examples. There's a company called Ethos ESG. There's, you could go down the line, but it's what used to be pretty expensive data. I, back in my, you know, 15 years ago when I was a portfolio manager, we were paying a lot of money to get this data. And now, in this world we live in where data is out there <laughs> and accessible, there's some smart young whippersnappers who are developing programs that are making it, making it free or darn close to free to get the information. Um, and I could, I could always supply a list, but there's more than what I just mentioned. No, I, it's great. You gave the audience some options there, some great um, organizations obviously involved in sustainable investing. So going into the benefits real quick, I, I, I'm obviously sustainable investing is good for 
the world, good for society. But in addition, it could also be good for your stock and trading portfolio. Isn't it true that most sustainable investing funds outperform traditional investing funds over the long haul? Yeah, so that's a great that question. I'm, I always have to be careful when I answer it as a registered investment advisor, because if I said, oh, yeah, then you just want to be careful. But yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear. And you could just dig up any Morgan Stanley, you know, white paper on the topic that um, people I do get this question all the time. Though still, hey, I'm not going to perform as well if I do this. And I have to kind of take a step back and show them different examples that are out there to show. And I'll give you a couple real quick ones. I always refer to DSI. And again, I'm being as transparent with this as possible. DSI is one of the longest running sustainable indexes that's out there. And I always just say compare DSI to SPY, which is the S&P 500. You know, if you're just putting, dipping your toe into this world, that's the first thing. And then if I get, you know, some, some snarky comments continually when I do these presentations, you know, in front of you know, uh, chambers and rotaries, you know, you can start digging into companies like Chipotle, and I'm not trying to promote performance here, but companies that are really addressing sustainability or at least doing a better job than their peers, look at Costco compared to Walmart. And again, Walmart could be a sustainability champion one day, but Costco tends to rank pretty high. Um, and then Chipotle is always a prime example in the fast food industry. If you look at Clearly, you asked about performance, Stephen. There's other variables to that, but it's pretty amazing to start to see that there's this separation. But there are definitely laggards, just like other non-sustainable investments in the sustainable world. You know, solar and wind, it's a growing industry. and It's a bumpy ride, I tell people, if we're going to hop into that, to investing in renewables or EVs or whatever it is, you got to be careful right now because it's... It's the Wild West, I think, still. No no doubt about it. I mean, those are usually the types of stocks that come to mind when people think about sustainable investing. But but real mm-hmm. quick, it's not necessarily the, the green energy companies. It could be major Fortune 500 companies, well-known companies that perform well, that have good ESG or sustainable ratings, and they could make for good investments is, is, is I think, something you, you see. Yeah, you hit, you hit the nail on the head. Um, absolutely. And, and it's great that you mentioned that my, you know, you know, I'm not giving advice here, but my clients tend to own, you know, maybe one or 2% of their portfolio. I'll dip into alternative energy funds mm-hmm. that hold solar and wind. I do have clients that are more, and I should stop saying this more the tree hugging type, and they have up to 10% in alternative energy, but they're, they're playing a, a little bit of a more risky game by doing so. So, yeah, I tend to dip those when I manage portfolios lightly into these industries. People think, oh, you're going to be 50% solar. Like, that's not the case. It might be 1% or 2%. And to your other point, you know, and this is one thing that's it's not difficult to talk about, but there are a lot of tech. If you look at a portfolio that's sustainably focused, you know, Apple and Google and NVIDIA are going to be up there. Mm-hmm. Um, the tech industry, and I'm not patting them on the back, um, but they're really at the forefront of developing technology to help guide us to this Mm -hmm. different world we're about to enter. So that's why you may see a little bit of a higher weighting in tech companies because of the fact that they are also the ones that are providing the technology to go into these 
fancy widgets. Good point. When we return, we'll hear from Dale about the top sustainable investing trends in 2023. But first, let me tell you how you can become a more informed investor through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter. Early Bird has commentary on the latest events and trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and crowdfunding. With Early Bird's daily weekday email, investors can quickly stay on top of the trends and beat the market. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, back to today's discussion. So, uh, Dale, today we're talking about sustainable investing. Um, We gave some background so far about what exactly it is and the benefits of sustainable investing, but I want to talk about the current state of it. Um, In 2023, Dale, what what are some sustainable investing strategies or trends that you think are really big right now? Yeah, um, I I don't want to get political, but you you mentioned like what's happening. I think we should just just chat briefly about how politics are becoming involved with sustainable investing. And and I am not politically focused in any way. In fact, I, I tend to turn the TV off when anything political comes up. But there is news out there and there's definitely a handful of uh, politicians who are pushing against ESG and, you know, everybody has their motive and they definitely got a lot of press on why, you know, 401k plans should not have ESG funds in them. And I think they were just, in fact, I don't think this, but you know, they were, they were motivated by other resources to push against it. So I, re- I really wanted to mention that first because I keep, it's coming up in meetings and stuff about how, you know, how do I feel about that? But besides that, um, you know, I think the data is pretty amazing. You don't think AI is going to play into this, but it clearly is. Every week or, or two, there's a new company that pops up that I'm not even aware of that um, is providing ESG data. And I keep using ESG. That's environmental, social, and governance. Uh, those are the three big components. There's hundreds of different factors into each one of those. But I think that's what's exciting right now. It's like 10 years ago or 15 years ago when I was you know, younger, um, there was only a hand, maybe two or three companies that were providing the data. And now, because everything's very transparent, younger investors are going to have so much more ability to just click on, a, click on Google and find different interesting tidbits that they may be interested in. If they like organic food, well, guess what? You're going to be able to find what companies are representing organic food or agriculture as best as possible. So that's definitely the, the data is a trend, which I think in any industry, AI is, is, is coming. Community investing, um, you just meant, I'll just bring up that one other trend. My clients definitely keep asking, you know, what is this thing called impact investing and why should I be doing it? And so again, because of this world we live in, you're able to step outside of the publicly traded world which I'm a firm believer in. I mean, that's how all these companies were created is by going public. But I think younger investors are like, hey, if I can make an impact, you know, more so than just investing in Google, what are ways that I can do that, Dale? And and it, it goes all the way down to like, how can I support and start up in Africa that has no power but is relying on solar power? So there's definitely these more impactful themes, but it's slowly... It's t- it's not going to happen overnight. Mm, but but it makes sense how 
um, impact on the local level is growing and why it's so important. And to your earlier point on data, I think for a lot of investors out there, retail investors included, who are really interested in sustainable investing and ESG investing, um, there is a strong demand to get access to more data. Um, are you seeing the market, um, at least the, the market of uh, tools available to traders, are you seeing that, that uh, the availability of those tools starting to meet the demand in the market for those types of traders? Yeah, I, I think what I've seen is, and I've got like there's an upcoming convention called SRI in the Rockies. It, it's in October, mm-hmm. and you know I tend to stay away from those events. But sometimes you actually learn something. You know, the old guys like me, you, you do learn. And one thing I noticed the meeting I went to last year was the data companies are popping up, um, and they're young, young you know graduate students who are like, we have a new program. It's going to cost you forty bucks a month. And this is what we give you. And it's pretty amazing stuff. So, yes, I do see it. We have to be careful, though, Stephen, with this question you're asking, because maybe we don't need too many. I shouldn't say we don't need too many. But the big question that comes up from the smart people in the room is, well, how can we trust this data? Mm. And it's a great question. And I don't have an answer for it other than, well, these companies are trying to establish themselves and their reputation. And you have to hope that the data they're providing is not just some made up stuff because why would you do that? Cause you're just going to ruin your business by doing that. So the cream rises to the top. That's what's going to happen. Not only with businesses who are looking at their peers, trying to be more sustainable, you know, the, the executives at Walmart, believe me, they sit around on Monday morning and they're looking at <laughs> what the other players are doing when it comes to these various sustainability metrics, cause they don't want to be the one that's not doing it as well, even though it's going to cost them money or whatever the case may be. Um, but to that point, it's a good thing. But I guess, Stephen, if I see a new data company every week, I do get a little nervous that we just have to make sure we we vet them as much as possible before you just jump on board. Absolutely. You got to make sure you know where the data is coming from. It's part of what, uh, what makes uh, a good sustainable investing strategy in 2023. Um, and to that point, I know, uh, Dale, you recently published a book on um, sustainable investing. It was called Don't Feed the Clowns. Uh, real quick, what what exactly is that uh, book about? Oh, it's a it's a chock full of comedy is what it is. Um, now, <laughs> so the book is, you know, I had a book coach and if anybody ever has any questions about writing their own book, definitely feel free to email me because I learned so much, <laughs> even though I'm a finance mm-hmm. investment expert. But the point is, um, the book's about my journey through this industry of, you know, starting off when I was 19, making 100 cold calls, selling long-term care insurance, all the way to now where being an independent advisor, you know, not being told what to do and what to buy and sell. But it also takes people through the journey of, hey, if you're interested in sustainable investing, you don't have to be, you know, a Grateful Dead head hippie. You may want to read this book because there's some interesting it's like one of the chapters is called hippies and cowboys hug it out <laughs> and that has everything to do with the renewable energy world um and how texas is leading the way when it comes to solar and wind you would never believe it but texas is the largest producer of solar energy mm-hmm. they're also the largest producer of a uh, big oil right so um and there's other topics like shareholder activism and you know ai and how is that going to play into um into the into the world of sustainability so it's a good little and everybody who's read it as far as i know on the amazon reviews 
have said it's like a hilarious take on investing and doing so with a with a sustainable lens. And oh, that's really, I tried to enter. Yeah, yeah. That's really fantastic that you combine the two. The the topic, obviously, sustainable investing, but the type of lens you put on it. I'm sure that's sounds incredibly enjoyable. Um, Dale, real real quick in about like 30 seconds. Um, cutting emissions targets. That's one of the big trends I keep hearing about in 2023 from companies. Is that making its way into sustainable investing as a, as a strategy to look at? Absolutely. It has to, right? And I think the great thing about this industry is the publicly traded companies are paying attention to exactly that, right? They have, they're being watched now. In fact, the SEC is now going to be mandating that they disclose in their proxy statement exactly how they're handling um, emissions and everything. So definitely it's not going to go anywhere. I mean, it, with what's happening in the world and, and with these crazy storms and mm-hmm. droughts and living in California, I've seen mm-hmm. what a drought can do and it's, it's really sad. So um, if anything, it's just going to, we're going to be pointing the finger more so at companies that are not addressing it. So they're all, they're all bracing, figuring out what to do to handle it. Well said. Dale, thank you so much for coming on the Early Bird Podcast to talk about sustainable investing. Really enjoyed your insights. Before we wrap up the podcast, I just have one final question for you, Dale, and it's the most important question for today's discussion. That question for you, Dale, is if you had to play one album forever, which one would it be? Wow. Um, God... Uh, give me a second. One album. Um, I'm a huge Frank Sinatra fan, mm. which is strange. So I want to say like the best of Frank Sinatra. It, it's forever. If I was on an island and I had to listen to one, I think good old Blue Eyes would, would do it for me. Thank you again to Dale Wannon for sharing your insights on sustainable investing. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's discussion. We'll be back next week for another episode of Early Bird. Have a great day.